back by no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in Elizabeth Park in beautiful, cold Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. I'm your host, Buck Rising. Very happy to be back with you in your podcast feeds. Today, we have former NFL executive now working as an analyst for The Athletic and for the GM Shuffle podcast with Adnan Verk. That is, of course, Michael Lombardi, who had some interesting things to say about how early the Titans coaching staff was wanting to make the change from Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill. He let that slide on the GM Shuffle podcast on Monday, so we figured we'd have Michael on to see what more we could learn about that situation, how he thinks that the Titans handled that situation, and what the fundamental change in this offense has been as a result of Ryan Tannehill being the starting quarterback. Obviously, being a former NFL executive, I would be doing you all a disservice if I did not ask him about Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold and Derrick Henry, as well as the contract decisions that are looming for this team. So we get into all of those things, as well as some other observations. And then, of course, the iTunes review mailbag that we do at the end of every 615 Sessions podcast that are your questions that you leave in the reviews on iTunes. As long as they come with a five-star rating, I look forward to reading them at the end of every show. But first, former NFL exec Michael Lombardi. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising hanging out here with you. Very pleased to be joined by our friend Michael Lombardi, former NFL executive. He's now a contributor for The Athletic, the GM Shuffle podcast with Adnan Verk, which should be a part of any of your podcast playlists. Uh, he's also a great author. Gridiron Genius is available wherever books are sold. It's on my bookshelf as well. And the Daily Coach newsletter, which I am just now learning about, uh, that I'm looking forward to subscribing to, that you can do as well at thedailycoach.com. Michael, what's going on, boss? Not much. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm trying to keep as busy as you are, man. You, yeah. you are all over the place. Well, it's good. You know, it's good to be busy. You know, I think uh, the Daily Coach has been really a tr- great inspiration for me with Coach Raveling, one of the great human beings of all time, former head coach at Iowa, Washington State, and then USC in basketball. And we formed a partnership with a couple other guys, and it's been a lot of fun. We read the book Trillion Dollar Coach and thought, you know, there if Steve Jobs needs a coach, other people need one too. So that's the, that's the impetus behind the newsletter and then being busy with the NFL. But it's been a fun ride. It keeps you busy, keeps you grounded, and it lets you see things through a different lens quite often. Well, as a consumer of all of these things that you're putting out, I can tell you that it it is it is much appreciated, and the insight certainly from the Daily Coach is something that I look forward to getting on a regular basis. Uh, let's let's talk about what the hell happened here in Nashville over the weekend <laughs> because this is still uh, fairly unbelievable to me. Though if you've been paying attention to both teams. Uh, it seems that this was something that could have been uh, a little more foreseeable. Titans beat the Chiefs, and I'm trying. So, I'm trying so damn hard to figure out the Titans, Michael, from a week to week basis. They're so unbelievably uh, inconsistent. But since yeah. Ryan Tannehill has been the starting quarterback, since they made the change 
in week six from Mar- Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill. It has been utterly refreshing to see what they've done on offense. What specifically stands out to you about that? Well, they have a passing game. You know, I mean, you know, Tannehill averages eight five yards per attempt, which is the critical stat in football. You know, stop looking at completion percentage. That's meaningless in the NFL. There's too many balls thrown behind the line of scrimmage for that to really matter, even though Tannehill's over 70% in that category. It's getting the ball down the field, making explosive plays, being able to score points. I mean, since Tannehill's taken over, I mean, look, let's look at it. You know, they've scored 23, 27, 20 in a loss, and 35 in a win. I mean, they went, there was weeks from Jet from the Colt game, 17 7, 24 against a bad Atlanta team, 7 0. So he's putting this, he's making explosive plays. He's making Humphreys a better player. He's making Corey Davis a better player. He's making Brown a better receiver, and he's helping the running game get going. I mean, now Henry's got some room to run the football in there, and nobody's worried about, and people are starting to worry about their passing game. Look, I, I think it's been, it shows you when you have a quarterback, the other players around him look better, and that's the case here. And that's the thing that they were trying to figure out over the course of this season with Marcus Mariota. Did you have a quarterback? Ultimately, obviously, at this point, the answer is no, with Marcus being sent to the bench. Uh, You said on Monday's GM Street that you heard as early as this summer that this coaching staff with Mike Vrabel uh, at the head of it wanted to move forward with Tannehill, but the front office wanted to let Mariota play it out how much how much more information uh can you give us on that in particular and did they do the right thing in letting Marcus Mariota uh given retrospect did they do the right thing in trying to let Marcus play it out even though the coaching staff was telling them that Tannehill might be the better option I I think certainly this summer they knew from watching The coaches knew that Tannehill had better instincts with the football, better rhythm, better timing. But they did the right thing in letting this go to where it needed to go. Let it get play out to where they finally know now what they have with Mariota. Now, maybe Mariota signs in Philadelphia or some other place and becomes a backup and gets his career going. Who knows? But I I think they had to let this play out because it was the first guy. You built your team around him. You told Tannehill he was going to come in and compete. You you promised Mariota this is what was going to happen. You didn't lie to anybody. You've kept your integrity within the locker room. But at some point, winning does matter, right? And so when you're and when you lose and when you're two and four, you know, you got to do something to change the offense and you can't fire receivers. You can't fire another coordinator. You can't do that. I think they did the right thing, but it was fairly obvious. I think anybody that studied football in the summer, anybody that knew what Mariota was about, that this was going to go in this direction eventually. And I'm sure that by signing Tannehill, even the front office knew this could go that way. It's it's really been interesting because I remember, you know, we, we watch practice every day, especially during training camp when the practices are open. And Jonathan Jones from Sports Illustrated was hanging out with me on the sideline. And we're I, I'm watching Jonathan straight up grimace at some of the passes that Marcus is throwing, Michael. And I'm and I'm thinking, man, am I just seeing this too often? Is this how I'm starting to view this guy as the norm when in reality, when anybody like Brady comes in here for joint training camp practices during uh, during uh, during the summer or even Cam Newton or even Jameis Winston. And I'm just I'm looking at this and it's a totally different caliber of player. And I, I think I had just become to uh, started to become jaded as to what Marcus actually was. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's one thing about seeing a quarterback. It's not that hard. You can make excuses. Like, you can make excuses for MVP Mitch up in Chicago, but you're just making excuses. I mean, if you put a real quarterback behind Chicago, you wouldn't be complaining about them, their inability to get the ball down the field. And I think we tend to make excuses for quarterbacks. Look, let's just take another sample. The, the Miami Dolphins, they tried Josh Rosen. They couldn't do anything with Josh Rosen. They put Ryan Fitzpatrick in the game. They're not any good, but they're competitive now. They've won two in a row. In the last five weeks, they've been in every single game the last five weeks. They've been competitive in every one. They've had chances to win every one. They're two and three in those five games. And it's because of, Tannehill, because of Fitzpatrick's ability to at least operate successfully at the quarterback position and I think it's a powerful tool they've got a ton of interesting decisions to make this offseason here in Nashville Michael uh, and th- and they're still very much alive after the win but they're going to be shopping for a quarterback one way or the other how would you approach their quarterback situation if this is the kind of production uh, that Tannehill is going to be able to sustain through six more games well, I, I think, look, Tannehill, you could see it on the field. When he ran for that first down and, and carried Dover to get the first down, he lifted that sideline. He lifted that team. I mean, there was a lot of Chief fans in that stadium, and he lifted that team over, and, and, and they get a belief. Now, how they won that game, you know, I'm not sure what we saw there, whether it's the, you know, the, the bad field goal attempt, you know, the, the, the crowding. I mean, Andy Reid decided to throw it two times with six minutes to go in the game. I couldn't believe Mike that, Ray Michael. We're all sitting there in the more, press box being like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> two more timeouts. I mean, oh. but that's, you know, that's who they are. I mean, that's who the Chiefs are. That's who they're always going to be. So, you know, it, it's a little bit like the Charger game. How they won that, I'm not sure, but they did. And, uh, Look, I think you've got to, you're going to have to go next into the offseason with at least Tannehill in your pocket. Now, that to me, if I were John Robinson, I would sign Tannehill not to a long-term deal. I'd sign him to a fair deal. I even, might even think about franchising him for one year. And then I would still go out and look for another quarterback because I'm going to hedge my bets because I'm not sure what I have. Derrick Henry is something that we've been trying to figure out here for a couple years as well. He's obviously been their life force when they're doing what they do successfully. Uh, And he's in a contract year. But he also plays a position that has just been kneecapped financially with how many of these guys seem to be replaceable. What's kind of your feel on him with a 10-game sample size? Uh. You know, you broke up there for a second. I didn't hear who you asked me about. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Derrick Henry, uh, in in a contract year, obviously being the majority of what they do well offensively, is a 10-game sample size enough for you to – would you consider re-signing him given the position? He's really an interesting player because, you know, like against Kansas City, he looked like he was carrying them down the field. You know, he does limit you in terms of what you want to become offensively. You know, he's not the dynamic runner in terms of catching it out of the backfield, but he is a big physical runner who can pound it if that's what you want to be. I think it would be market. I would let the market declare. I'm not going to overpay for it, but I'm not going to just let it walk away. I'm going to see some value in what he brings to our team in terms of toughness and how we want to play defense. I think there's a certain element that he does help you with. I think you could see Deion Lewis hasn't been able to do much of anything because before in the past they couldn't really get things going. 
So the reality here is I, I would I would let the market kind of dictate what the deal is. I would not go before the market because I think the market's going to be a little bit soft on him because he is a one dimensional guy in the sense that you've got to feed him the ball and more is and more with him is better. Like Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville, like Leonard Fournette's a nice player, but he's going to benefit from carry 20 to 28, not from carry one to 10. And sometimes backs don't get to carry 20 to 28. Lawan and Saffold, two offensive line players that they've paid a premium for uh, here over the course of two offseasons. Lawan, the extension, and obviously bringing Saffold in from L.A. Uh, it's been incredible to see Roger Saffold, who Los Angeles is suffering without. He comes to Tennessee, and he flat out can't put it together. Lawan, on the other hand, PED suspension, misses four games, getting paid a ton of money, and now leads the team in penalties and regularly submarines drives because of it. Uh, what, what do you do with these two? Well, look, I, you know, I've been saying this for a while on my podcast. I don't know what John saw in the Super Bowl to make him want to sign Roger Saffold. Roger Saffold was part of the problem with the Rams offensive line. Now, they've gone from bad to better. Don't get me wrong. That offensive line is bad. But Saffold wasn't a good player last year. Just watch the Super Bowl. Watch the second play of the Super Bowl game. Almost got the quarterback killed. I mean, watch the preseason game where Coward from the Patriots almost gets the quarterback killed. That's been a problem all along. And I think it's going to be a problem. When you pay for offensive linemen, whether it's Saffold, Josh Klein, you've got to develop your own, and you've got to have your own criteria. Lawan's got to stop. I thought at least he admitted he's part of the problem with, his, with after the game, and I saw that video, and it went viral. In terms of I at least like the sounds of it, but they got to get much better play out of their offensive line. They're going to have to get better at pass protected because they're not going to be a run-dominant team anymore. They need to throw the football to win. And all of John Robinson's decisions along that front have been questionable at best. He's done a really good job, I think, on the whole at putting this team together, but the offensive line moves just haven't panned out. He is Michael Lombardi of The Athletic, of the GM Shuffle podcast with Adnan Verk, Gridiron Genius. His book is available now wherever books are sold, and the Daily Coach newsletter that you can subscribe to. Follow him on Twitter at MLombardi. NFL. Michael, a pleasure as always to chat, sir. Thank you so much. Exceptional insight there from Michael Lombardi. Uh, he, it, it gives a little more credence, right, to what Diana Russini and Benjamin Albright uh, out there in Denver were saying about how the coaching staff feared they might be wasting a really, really high-quality defense on sub subpar quarterback play and Marcus Mariota, that they may think or that they did perhaps think that there were uh, a be- that there was a better chance, a better opportunity with Ryan Tannehill and Michael Lombardi, the latest to give credence to that. They had to do it. That was the way that it had to go. You you wonder if they maybe waited too long to make the switch. I think a lot of us would have preferred Jacksonville with the t- uh, with the opportunity to still win those games. But here we sit at five and five with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and a very, uh, very, uh, a more positive outlook. We won't say a very positive outlook with a 14% chance of making the postseason at this point after the win against Kansas City. Of course, 14% according to the New York Times and their analytics department. But now it is time to do a less, a little less thinking. Uh, we, we would like to kind of make this more interactive for you guys. And we do that now at the end of every show with the iTunes review 
mailbag. You leave a question along with five star uh, a five-star rating in the iTunes review, and I will answer them at the end of every show. Last week, the question was about Jalen Hurts and what I thought about him as a quarterback prospect. Today's comes from Heater22 about the Bad Credit Podcast. And listen, you can go wherever you... This is an AMA as far as I'm concerned. This podcast goes all over the place with Vols, with uh, Titans, with Predators, uh, with really whatever we want to talk about. Uh, Because that's it's your podcast. I'm just here facilitating to it. So Heater22's question is about the Bad Credit Podcast. Uh, Have you considered having the guys from the Bad Credit Podcast on your show. Their sports talk series is great. Love your show as well. See, now this this kind of reads as somebody who is associated with the Bad Credit Podcast uh, trying to maneuver their way onto our podcast, and that's fine. And I'm listen, I'm open to any and all suggestions. This is a fun place to have conversations uh, about a various or a, a varying amount of topics. That's why we are able to bring in our friends from The Athletic and from ESPN, like Teron Davenport and Joe Rex Road and Emily Proud of WKRN, Michael Lombardi, who I have a good relationship with, all of the players and coaches that you hear from on this podcast. So I'm always open to suggestions, particularly if they're local. So I went and, che- I went and I checked out the Bad Credit Podcast uh, in uh, in iTunes, and it's a it's a fu- it's it's a really it's a really good vibe. Uh, that you get from the Bad Credit Podcast. Now, I uh, I don't think that we would be able to do the kind of show that the boys over there do because it is a, a much more uh, X-rated, a much more let-it-fly podcast. I like to have a little bit of structure here on the show, but uh, I'm open I'm open to uh, persuasion, to consideration, uh, because I'm always looking for new voices to come hang out here with me. That's what makes this fun to do. The whole purpose of this show is to be a community environment based here in Nashville, strongly Nashville in our roots, and to have different voices from Nashville join the conversation and let you guys enjoy it because that's what we do. We're here for you. So uh, as it regards to the Bad Credit Podcast, um, I'm not completely out on it. Five stars in the iTunes ratings with your questions in the review. I will be happy to read them as long as they come along with five stars. We do the iTunes review mailbag at the end of every 615 Sessions podcast. And we have come to the end. So I'm going to thank Michael Lombardi for stopping by, for giving us his insight. I will let you know that on Thursday's show, Brent Doherty of 3HL on 104.5 The Zone and David Ubbin of The Athletic, The Vols writer, will be here talking college football with me. We will discuss that in great detail. We might have a little more NFL content for you coming, but we had to get to the GM, uh, to, to the former GM, Michael Lombardi, given his comments on the GM Shuffle podcast about how soon the uh, how soon the Titans were looking to make that switch at quarterback. Thanks to Michael Lombardi. Thanks to you guys who rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out A to Z Sports Prime Time, the streaming Facebook Live and Periscope show that I do Sunday to Thursday evenings on at A to Z Sports on Twitter and A to Z Sports Nashville on Facebook. We have a good time there as well, talking about the teams that you care about. I will be back on Thursday. I look forward to chatting with you then right here on the 615 Sessions podcast brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.